Welcome to the Virtual Shift, a show looking at the seismic changes happening in healthcare with virtual care at the epicenter. Join me and my guests as we look at key cultural and policy shifts impacting how providers, payers, and patients connect, as well as how care is being reimagined both for today and the future. Hello, and thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host, Tom Foley. You can learn more about this show by visiting the program on healthcarenowradio.com, and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, at FoleyTom, and the hashtag, The Virtual Shift. Today, we have a great guest on, Jamie Hall. He is the president and CEO of Cirrus MD. Jamie, welcome to the program. Well, Tom, thanks for having me. I've been enjoying your podcast, and it's great to, great to be on with you. Awesome. Awesome. First, I have a big question for you. Sure. Michigan, number two, football. Is, I know you're a Michigan grad, so I thought I'd just pop in a little bit on is what's going on there. I'm not going to jinx anything. I'm just quiet about it until after the Ohio State game. You know, that's the only thing. Exactly. It'll be it'll it'll be a great end to the season. I I hope you don't mind the uh, little bit of humor there. I follow not Michigan State myself. Not at all. Don't get me started on that. We'll burn up the whole hour. <laughs> so uh, you, you guys have done great things. Tell us a little bit about the organization and uh, and what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So CRSMD is a virtual health organization. Um, we've been around for almost 10 years, and today we serve 10 million members across all 50 states. We're available 24-7, 365, um, and we serve our, our customers are generally commercial large self-insured employers and payers. We serve Medicaid populations through managed Medicaid, and it's our great privilege to serve uh, around 5 million of our veterans through our relationship with the VA. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. I didn't know you had the uh, working with the uh, veterans. I uh, worked for uh, Cerner for a while on the uh, the VA project, so very familiar with that effort. And congrats and thank you for serving our veterans. Um, so you, you just recently announced a um, a new care and guidance program called Physician First Care and Guidance. Tell us a little bit about what that program is about. Yeah, so, uh, well, first, let me just start by telling you a little bit about how we deliver our, our traditional solution, and then I'll build on that with Physician First Care and Guidance, if that's okay, just to create some context. Sure. Go for it. So what's really different and unique about CRSMD is that we meet our patients via chat as the first first mode of communication, and we meet them in under 60 seconds. Actually, Tom, on average, it's about 15 seconds from the time that a patient says, ouch, that hurts or that looks weird. To there's actually a real doctor. It's not a bot. It's not a triage tool. They actually a large physician, a real physician, is texting back and saying, "I'm here. How can I help you?" We think first and foremost that's really important. Um, and secondarily, we keep our encounter windows open for seven days, so there's no pressure on the physicians or on the patients to speed through an encounter, which I think we creates a much deeper, much richer relationship. On average, our encounters are about 20 minutes, but pulling off the time constraints, we think helps a lot. And what it leads to is really effective, efficient, and empathetic care. So, uh, um, you know, 95% of the care that comes onto our platform via chat actually goes all the way through and ends via chat without switching to video, without switching to audio, um, things like that. Although all of those modalities are available. And uh, it's super effective. 83% of what comes to our virtual front door is actually handled on the platform. So it doesn't need to go then to in-person care. 
Um, but, you know, when you think about that element, that the rest of it that has to go to in-person care, that's really expensive healthcare. That's going to the home, that's going to a clinic, that's going to a hospital. And we feel that, you know, this, you know, the traditional, one of the traditional problems with virtual care is it stood alone uh, aside, of, uh, you know, not fully integrated with all of the other settings of care. So what Physician First Care and Guidance seeks to do is first leverage a couple of things that we do already today. One is we meet a patient at their moment of need. So there's, you know, we're all uh, fathers or, or uh, leaders or athletes or whatever it is that we are during our lives and what we think of ourselves as, but we're not patients unless we absolutely have to be. But the moment that we turn ourselves into a patient that we say, hey, we need help, um, we're there in seconds. We're not there a week, two weeks, a month, two months later when you finally get an appointment. We're there when the patient is most activated. The second is we meet that patient with a physician. It's not an RN, it's not a non-clinical navigator, it's not some sort of a triage tool, it's actually a doctor. And we know that doctors are an authority figure, but they come with trust. Uh, so we're meeting that person who's highly activated with a doctor who's inherently trusted and then what we have built into our platform is a way to surface uh, risk that may not be the chief complaint, the chief reason that a patient came in. So we're mining information that we have on our platform to surface up, you know, what else might be going on. Because we know, even though, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of patients come through our virtual front door every day, uh, but we know that half of them are pre-diabetic or living, living with type 2 diabetes. We know that half of them have an MSK issue that probably should be looked at clinically. We know that many of them are dealing with stress, anxiety, and depression. So, so the question is, how do you find that and engage it? And we think this medium of chat, first and foremost, is great because it's there's a degree of anonymity associated with it. By removing time, it gives patients and doctors to talk a little bit more, but but what's really driving it is uh, our clinical intelligence engine, which is surfacing in context and in workflow for the physician uh, risk associated with the patient. And then the really unique thing that we're doing is we're digging into that person at a member level at their employer, their health plan, and pulling up benefits that may be associated with that risk. So I may come in for a chest cold, we may realize that I'm somebody living with type two diabetes and our physician might say, hey, Jamie, about your diabetes, how is that going? I might say, well, you know, I'm struggling. And they might say, do you know your employer has a solution like uh, Lavongo, for example, that's available and free to you. I'm gonna drop it into the chat. I'd love you to check it out and I'll check in with you a couple of days and see how that's going. So we think that's new and different and super exciting. The other thing that we're doing is then directing people to brick and mortar care to, at the home uh, in a clinic or at a hospital and doing that through a lens of cost and quality. So, hey, Jamie, you need to see an orthopedist in Lafayette, California. Here are the best three orthopedists in your area. I'm gonna drop them into the chat. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to combine the best of virtual care, make it more accessible, super empathetic, take some of the time constraints off of it, but then add access to benefits, which we all forget about, you know, right after we've signed up for them, and then in setting uh, really high quality providers uh, that people can go see in person. It's interesting. So you're, ha excuse me, you're having this chat between a doctor and a patient. You know, if that was, if that quote unquote chat was taking place in person inside of an exam room, 
you'd have an EHR there and the doctor would probably have his fingers on that him or her would have that fingers on the keyboard. And that chat is going to be more clinically oriented versus more social determinants of health oriented, I would argue, because you're trying to mine that patient and trying to find that root cause of it's not it's not about X. It's really about Y and Z. Uh, and, and X is the symptom, uh, if you will. Right. Is, is that fair? Yeah. I, I, so I'm trying to. So do you guys uh, do you use an EHR or how do you create that medical record in the context of that encounter? Yeah, so we have we built our own EHR, which is purpose built for this type of interaction with a patient. Um, so our so you know EHRs have sort of started as a billing tool and repurposed as a physician patient tool. And you know I, I'll just give you one of my own examples. Recently, after COVID, my first visit to see a primary care doctor, I was lucky to get into the great doctor out here, and it took me two months to get an appointment. I finally got in and for the 10 to 15 minutes I was there, he had his back to me the whole time and he was typing in, you know, my family medical history into his EHR. It was a really dissatisfying visit. Ours is built in order to consume uh, information. And, and, you know, the thing is there's a lot of patient information available through these uh, HMS designated HIEs. So we may be meeting you for the first time, but we'll know a lot about chronic conditions, labs, um, other things that you have going on associated with your health. And it's designed to give the doctor just what they need when they need it based on the chat. So because think about this for a second, Tom, because we're working on unstructured data, we can train these new tools that we all have, generative AI tools to listen to the chat while it's going on. So this we have 50 million chats between physicians and patients that we can use to train uh, our AI models on. So what we the way that we set it up is instead of having a bot out in front of the physician triaging away smaller things, because we think those smaller things are important, that we know that half of those people have something that's going on from a chronic condition standpoint, we want to, them to engage with the physician. We think that's super uh, leveraged, special, and, and it's an opportunity. But we put our AI sort of on the shoulder of the doctor to listen and say, hey, Jamie just said that he used to manage his stress by running, but he can't because his knee hurts. That might be an MSK issue, and Jamie has, you know, hinge health for his MSK provider through his employer. That's new, and that's different, and we think that that's going to be much more effective. So, you know, it's hard to do, and a lot of even the virtual visits uh, that happen in traditional telehealth, really what you're doing is you're just replicating, uh, you know, an in-person visit where I'm sitting here and I'm staring at a doctor having a one-on-one conversation. The doctor really can't do a lot else unless they look away from me. In chat, the physician can really um, get a lot more information while they're chatting with the patient. So yeah, it's it's different. I would say that it's purpose built. You know, we think about how do you optimize for virtual health? How do we actually pull it into the mainstream? This is one of the things that we're doing that we think is value that can't be created in another setting. Very interesting and quite compelling, I might add. So the 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 critical point about the continuity of care is yes, virtual care has its place. And you seem to be uh, changing the dynamics as to what defines uh, virtual care in a very uh, elegant way, as you've uh, already articulated. How do you transition the care? If you, you talked earlier about going to a brick and mortar, how does that record follow that patient into that brick and mortar setting if you're not the platform of choice in that, in that, in that setting? 
Yeah, there there are a number of different ways, and and you know the one one is that what everybody else does. You can you know work with health systems and build pipes into their EHRs. I think that that's sort of a zero sum game because it just every you know one version of Epic is one version of Epic, and it's it's a hard thing to do. What's really helpful is and back you know. 10 years ago, when I was first looking at these health information exchanges, they were the promise was great, but the data wasn't there. Now that they've sort of centralized down to five, I think they're TEFCA, uh, HIEs, they actually, we find that they, almost every patient that comes through, we have uh, diagnosis data on them, we have gaps in care data on them, we have labs associated with them. So because that is pushing and pulling data from most of the big EHRs across the country, when we update a patient's record, it gets automatically updated into their EHR. So that's a really elegant way. If it, if it works, that's a really elegant way of doing it where we don't have to build, everybody's contributing to the same centralized data warehouse. And I really like that model. But here's the other thing is that, again, think about the way that we're interacting with our patients. It's chat. So on the patient's phone, they have a word-for-word transcript of everything that's happened with that provider. They also have a summary at the end. And so, you know, we, we, this is another problem in healthcare. We, we listen to our doctors, and then we walk out of the, the treatment room, and we go, what the heck? Did they say ice it or heat it or ice and then heat? I don't know. I can't remember. But it's all right there. And so they can walk into any other point of care and say, here's exactly what happened when I talked to the physician at, at, at CIRASMD. So, so I think I, I think we're getting to a place where that sort of portability of a patient record is going to be much more frictionless. We're not totally there yet, but there are a couple of ways to skin that cap. Yeah, and you're absolutely correct. I think the stat is uh, after one hour uh, post-visit, 50% of the patient forgets, starts to forget what the, what the doctor actually said, right? And then yeah. the other stat r- relative to that is uh, 30 to 50%, depending on the, the, the study that you read, uh, never fill their scripts. So I've gone through all this clinical encounter and engaged the provider. I got the answer, take your meds, and I don't take my meds. Or I forget, and therefore I, I don't, I, I, and then I don't, I don't engage further, right? Right. It's it's a very challenging delivery of care. Uh, sometimes I think it's not the system that's broke; it's the way in which patients engage or elect to engage. Right? I think Chris Chen from ChedMed uh, said uh, in a quote, "77 uh, percent." I could get it wrong. I, I interviewed him a couple uh, months ago. "77 uh, percent of all outcomes are behavioral based." Right? Mm-hmm. It's what happens when you're in the home or what. It, you know, right. am I dieting? Am I exercising? Am I taking my meds? Am I am I doing what the doctor says? And the answer is no, 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 and no. Right. So how do right. we get to a better state of healthcare? And you're, I, I sense what you what you're doing is um, you're modernizing healthcare to to the degree that you know chat is kind of a a, a new thing. Uh, it's not an old. It's not a new thing, but it's a new thing in healthcare in the context of how do I engage my my provider in a virtual setting record that and 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 have that record so that everybody's clear on what was said what wasn't said and what you should do and what you shouldn't do very uh very compelling if you don't mind i'd like to come back to this data uh, uh because that's another very compelling approach so i'm i have like uh commonwealth in my head care quality in my head are you saying that you you will actually go uh, while the patients in chat if you will 
you could you can query them and bring their health records into the uh, the system and have a full display of, uh, of of what all their history, no matter where they've been, right? Whether they're from New Jersey or a snowbird in Florida. Yeah, that's and, that's, and, that's exactly right. And and one of the you know when we think about these new to, you know, we can't have a conversation without talking about AI or generative AI, whatever, you know, and, and, but when we think about what do these two tools do for us in the way that we want to deliver care, where it's always a human interaction, a physician and a patient, um, we can, the same tooling that we use to go and pluck out a benefit that's relevant to a health, you know, issue that I'm talking about with a physician, I, I've, you know, I'm talking about stress and anxiety and it surfaces, hey, I've got spring health, for example, uh, available to me. That same tooling can go and, you know, pull up the most salient element. The thing about those health records is everything's there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, so I've got a whole, bunch, a whole lifetime of health records. So, uh, you know, what are the things that are important? Where are the gaps uh, in my care that need to be closed? Uh, those sorts of things. So we can be smart about surfacing just what the physician needs. And the other key part of that is just when they need it. So we're getting it into the conversation flow. So a doctor can look over and say, you know, it's just giving them giving them the opportunity to have information. And then it's up to the physician. We really believe we we have our own doctors. Uh, we pay them hourly. We're not fee for service, so there's no again rush to get through healthcare. But um, we have built this so that they have information that they need exactly when they need it, no more, no less. But then it's up to their skill, their training, their human empathy to decide: is this appropriate for me to bring into the conversation with the patient, or do I not? And you're bringing up so many uh, valid points, and you do uh, change the approach of virtual care because. It's typically a, uh, I'll just call it a once and done engagement, right? It's just like uh, to some degree in a fee-for-service model, you know, I, I'm, I'm in that provider's exam room for uh, 10, 15 minutes at most on average, mm-hmm. you know, and when you leave, there's no continuity. I mean, right? So, and, and when you leave, it's more so when you leave that virtual, that telehealth session, there's no follow-up, right? Yeah. And there's no... Well, there's little, there's little ability on how to move that data from that engagement to your primary or your cardiologist or your other specialties that you might have because you have multiple chronic conditions. The point is that there's an approach where you either, uh, I always say, either you're just going to skim off the top, right, mm-hmm. because it's profitable to do that, or you're going to integrate, and I think this is where uh, Sirius MD is, where you're either going to in- provide greater engagement and more quality engagement in the process and connect you to the next to the next uh, in line if you will from a continuity of care perspective so there's no gaps in care everybody knows it great a great job i uh I, i've studied a lot of models and um uh, I'm, I'm impressed for sure I, I would say i would just qu- quickly add to that so think we this is something that we think about a lot at CRSMD. You know, we are living in a time when we have, you know, despite all of us in the industry, our best efforts, healthcare is getting more costly, more confusing, less accessible than ever. At the same time, we're losing primary care doctors at an unsustainable rate in the U.S. So the question is, do we ration access to prim- the 
primary care doctors that we have. And I think that's our approach generally as an industry. We have digital tools and, and non-clinical navigators and helpers and you know then lower level clinical folks. And then you finally get to a doctor. We think that that causes a lot of friction for a patient and it causes a lot of waste. We think if you just put, just think about this, if if every healthcare journey, whether it's as short as a chest cold or as long as somebody living with probably chronic uh, conditions, started with a simple chat with a doctor, started started them off, first of all, with the influence of a physician to take the right best next step, but also on a clinical pathway that's prescribed by a physician. So we, we try to do that. And then, you know, more and more people, over half the people in the US don't have a primary care physician either either it's their financial or, or geographic barriers, or it's just inconvenient. More and more, we are treating people as their primary care physician. And 50% of the people who use us once who may come in for an episodic thing, use us again and again in a commercial population. In a Medicaid population, it's 70%. So we think that that's something to build on. Uh, absolutely. And, and you're right. The uh, We have an older, ager, sicker, a, grower, a growing older, ager, sicker population less doctors and nurses. To me, that is the problem. The, right. and my audience and my audience knows that the other half of that problem is the average Medicare patient, five chronic conditions, sees nine different doctors, only in front of their doctors, 15 hours in a given year in right. total. The yeah. biggest question and what I call the gap in care is what happens the other 8,745 hours? That's where care uh, wellness is achieved. And that's where we have to find a way to make it easier to come out of that environment and into healthcare. And, and to your point, having a, uh, a simple chat, uh, a simple but powerful chat with a doctor in, a, in, a, in an environment that the patient's comfortable in kind of opens up um, the, the conversation to learn more versus, you know, being, uh, there's always a lot of tenseness, if you will, when you're in yeah. that exam room and you're not going to learn as much because the doctor, again, is, is he's got to get in and out, right? Yeah, the, yeah. No, that's, that's well, right. the best. So. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and that's why we thought it was so important. You're absolutely right. We And, you know, even in primary care, it's less than that. You're talking about the, the folks who really use the healthcare system. The majority of us we're rarely in front of a of an actual doctor, but when we just think when you are when we and we we uniquely connect a patient really quickly and efficiently with a doctor, let's arm the doctor with the tools to push the patient back to the next best step. So if it's about wellness, most employers these days have really well thought through wellness programs to try to keep their their employees healthy and happy. If it's one thing, if your employers person calls up and says, hey, I'm, or you get a, you know, email or a text or snail mail to your home and you kind of throw it away and you're like, I, I don't really care about that. If your doctor says, hey, Tom, your employer has, you know, this resource available to you, I'd like you to try it. My guess is you're more likely to try it than not. And we're, we're but, you know, we're, uh, we're playing out that, that thesis in real time. Yeah, and I, uh, and I, from uh, our earlier conversation, it sounds like you're, uh, you're getting a lot of positive Results and that's what it's all about. You know, the pa finding different ways to engage a patient in in the comfort uh, uh, that they're uh, they're willing to engage will always produce greater outcomes. Uh, and uh, my hats off to you for thinking outside that box and uh, and not having uh, and, and not replicating something that uh, uh, everybody else has been doing. So uh, congratulations on that front. 
So what's uh, what's what's coming uh, down the road for Sirius uh, MD? You, you obviously, you had the, this great launch, making some uh, great strides, serving our military for sure. What do you see the next year or two for not only Sirius MD but the, the the market as a whole? Well, I think it, you know first and foremost, we for, we we literally launched Physician First Care and Guidance on the fourth of October, so we're a little over a month into it, and our our whole focus is on bringing this to our customers, bringing this to our prospects um, uh, and, you know, across a, a number of different verticals. So that's that's where the, the company's focused. But we all believe that we're just scratching the surface. And, and you know, the the work that it takes is is thoughtfully thinking about how do we reassemble care using all of the tools that we have to our disposal the ones that are that are most that most work to optimize for the position for the patient uh, and then for the plan sponsor whoever's whoever's paying for it uh, and remove those things that are barriers or friction in the path of care and and again um, we're finding as we're talking about this in market we have i just had a customer this morning who was like you know what this could help me with my risk adjustment Scores. If you could find those gaps, if you could intercept a patient at the point of care, you know, either close that gap or send the patient with the gap, you know, tell them, get them to one of our in-network physicians, that would be great. So I think that there's, once we get rolling, there's going to be lots and lots of new things that we can do. I also think we haven't even started to really uh, mine the behavioral health aspects of chat. So this degree of energy, people who chat are chatty, they're really chatty. And it's great because our doctors have lots of time to just text back and forth with the patient. And what that does is it starts to reveal more and more information. It creates a richer, you'd be surprised at how, uh, you know, our patient stat scores are in the 96 percentile. They love to engage with our doctors. And we don't have a primary care shortage at SiriusMD. We have people knocking on our door because our physicians have an 80 net promoter score uh, as employees. They love... Wow. This way of because they're not forced to race from patient to patient. We give them the time, we give them the tools, we give them the information to practice the way that they wanted to. Um, so again, I think there's lots. Uh, what it's going to be uh, right now, we're trying to keep the organization focused uh, for the next 12 months or so. But um, we'll be building on this concept. Awesome. Well, you're always welcome to come back. Uh, always uh, a pleasure speaking with you, Jamie Hall, President and CEO of Sirius MD. Thanks again for joining the program. Thanks so much, Tom. Really appreciate it. That's today's shift. I appreciate the audience taking the time to tune in. If you missed part of today's episode, you can tune back in at the healthcarenowradio.com at the same time, 11 a.m. or 7 p.m. Eastern throughout the week. And be sure to check out the program page at thevirtualshift.co. As well, remember to follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter at FoleyTom, and follow the show's hashtag, The Virtual Shift. I'm Tom Foley. Until the next shift.